Um, so what can we be free of? What do we want to get set free, free from? Anybody have any ideas? What do, you, what do you think people need freedom from? Anybody? Addictions. What kind of addictions? All. Every. Alcohol. Drugs. Pornography. Work. Abusive relationships. All kinds of things. What else? What else do we need to get set free from? Trauma. Anxiety. Depression. Fear. Worry. What else? Pride, greed, poverty, anger. We're going to cover all these topics in the next few months. All these things, doubt, bitterness. We're going to cover all these topics. But I want to just say the first and most important thing for us to really truly understand is that the Lord sees your condition. Turn to the person next to you and say, he sees And the Lord hears. He hears the cry of your heart. As a matter of fact, you know, we've been, we've been really uh, focusing on Isaiah 61, starting with the first several verses. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Again, this isn't talking about a financial status necessarily. It's talking about people who are in need a.k.a. everyone, because <laughs> everyone's in need. We are all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of freedom. We're all in need of hope, aren't we? We're all in need of, of love and acceptance and the things that only the Lord can really offer us. It says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, life has a tendency to create situations that break our hearts. Things happen. People hurt us. We make dumb choices. Life, I mean, Death, loss, all kinds of things happen. And, and as a result, our hearts become broken. It says that he has come to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those who are bound and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I believe this is a year of the Lord's favor. Amen? I believe that God wants to do new things this year. And my prayer this morning and, and actually throughout the last several months is that God would begin to pour out a spirit of hope. Because if without hope, we cannot survive. And the, this world is hopeless. This world brings no hope. It, it promises hope, but ultimately it never delivers. Only Jesus delivers. And that is my prayer for you. And I pray for you every day. Even though I d may not pray for you by name, I pray for you. And the Lord knows, and he wants to bring his freedom. And I believe that he has a season of breakthrough I believe this is the year of the Lord's favor. He wants to shine the light. So, uh, um, the proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And here it says, okay, so, so for those of you who are going through our journal, we have a, a journal um, and we're, we're going through it. And right now we're in the book of Exodus. Well, the book of Exodus really is a parallel to what happens spiritually. So the Israelites represent us the followers of Jesus, and Egypt represents a place of sin, a place of bondage, a place of brokenness, a place of false promises. A lot of false promises happen in Exodus. Let my people go. Okay, I'll let your people go. No, I won't let your people go. I mean, there's just like all this stuff going on with Pharaoh. This is all symbolic. So when you read it, especially when you read the Old Testament, read it with that in mind. 
that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of symbolic things that the Lord wants to speak, but it all points to what? Jesus. And Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the only one who can set us free. And so as we're going through the book of Exodus, I've been reading this, you know, knowing that this sermon series is coming up and, and just seeing all the things that the Lord has, has for us and the compassion that he has. It says in Exodus 6, this is the Lord speaking. He says, I've heard the groaning of my people Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. I remembered my covenant. I remembered my promise. And he wants to remind some of you today. First of all, I, I wanted to say this. As we were worshiping, I had a sense that the Lord wants you to know some of you, and this is not in any condemnation, but he misses you. He misses hanging out. Because he's heard your groaning. He's heard the deep cry of your heart that you may not have ever even shared with another human being. He knows the depth of your, of your pain and your sorrow. He's heard it. And he's saying, but I still, I remember my promise to you. And what is his promise? To bring good news, to heal your broken heart, to bring deliverance and freedom and liberty. He says, this is what he says. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Great promise, huh? This is what he's saying to you. I, I will deliver you. I will deliver you from that bondage. I will deliver you from that addiction. I will, I will deliver you from those condemning thoughts. I will deliver you from a spirit of rejection. He's saying, this is, what is your Egypt? Let me ask you that. What is your Egypt? Think about this. What is the thing? You just want God to bring you out of it. Think about this and then listen to this promise. I will bring you out from under the burden of that thing. I'll deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you. And he's saying, I will take you to be my people. I will be your God and you will know that I am the Lord your God who's brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. You see, we have been duped into believing that if God hasn't set you free now, he's never going to set you free. Let me just say this unequivocally, that is a lie. He will remember his covenant. His covenant is to bring freedom. That is one of the reasons Jesus came. And another reason Jesus came is to overcome the acts of the evil one. Jesus came to thwart the plans of the devil because you know, God had, you know, you hear, God has a plan for your life. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, you know what? Conversely, there's an evil one who wants to destroy you and wants to wreck your life. And God's promise is, I will be your God. I will deliver you out from under that burden. And so do not believe that lie that says, well, you know, I've asked the Lord to set me free from this thing and I'm still bound, so therefore, I don't think God has freedom for me. That is a lie. 
Say that out loud. Say, that is a lie. You have been duped into believing that's just the way it is. This is just the way life is. This is always going to, this is not the last chapter in the book of your life. Okay? You still have a lot more chapters to be written. And those are going to involve hope and freedom and the promise of his covenant and deliverance and, and, and the end of slavery, the end of your addictions, the end of thoughts that have, have plagued you, anxiety, depression. God has freedom. That is his promise. Freedom from pride, self, selfishness, bitterness, rejection, codependency, addiction, gambling, lying, pornography, food, weed, workaholism. And I need to ask you this. First of all, what is your Egypt? What is the thing? And the second question I have for you is, are you ready to get serious? Are you? Okay, three people over here are. (laughs) What? Are you ready to get serious? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be delivered from the captivity? Do you want to be free of your addictions? Do you want to be free of of plaguing thoughts? Do you want to be free of anxiety? Do you want to be free from depression? Do you want to be free from worry? Bitterness? Anger? Selfishness? Okay, let's get serious. Let's get serious. Let's trust in the Lord. (laughs) You know, bondage... And when I say bondage, I just mean you're, you're held, held back. You're held captive. You're in chains. You're in a cage or a cell. Whatever the visual picture you need to help you see it just means you can't move forward. It's, bondage is like being a hamster on a wheel. You're working super hard, but you're going nowhere. Just going for it. Yeah. It's like hamster on a wheel and the Lord is saying, I'm going to get you off that wheel and I'm going to put your, I'm going to set your feet on a rock and I am going to give you a purpose for your life. I am going to give you a productive life, an abundant life, a life that is filled with joy in his presence. I just read that this week. Man, what a hopeful promise. It says, I will show you the path of life. I will give you joy in my presence like, yes, please. That's what I want. Joy in his presence. There was a guy, I will call him Jack. Um, and my husband and I uh, were counseling him and his wife. And he was a drug addict. And so we were trying to walk with them through, through his addiction. And both my husband and I were delivered from drug addiction. So we had a little bit of... Um, skin in the game, you know, we, we understood what we were talking about. And so we said, so Jack, what is your pattern? Like, what is it? Like, tell us kind of what happens. What are your triggers or whatever? What is it that causes you to, to use? And he goes, well, I usually never, I will never use unless I've had a few beers. And so we're like, like you're probably thinking right now, well, kind of a no-brainer, yeah? We're like, well, Jack, um, are you willing to give up the bruise? He goes, no. And we're like, are you serious? He goes, 
no, I like my beer too much. And we're just like, he's that hamster on that wheel, going about his life. So, so, so did Jack really want to get set free? Not really. And I think, I think, I, I don't want to lack compassion because I think sometimes we're a little bit afraid to get set free because we're afraid of the unknown. You know, sometimes our bondage is a place of security for us. It's just all we've ever known. And we're afraid to break out of that because we're afraid of things that we don't know. We don't know how to, how to manage things that are new sometimes. Is this, do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes I think it's hard for us to think, well, if I did get set free, then what are the implications of that? And the Lord wants to show you he is a God of hope. And hope does not disappoint us. That's one of my favorite verses. Hope does not disappoint us. Amen? So the Lord sees. The Lord totally sees you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He sees your condition and he has compassion. And then his promise is, his covenant is that he frees. The Lord is the one who frees. And, and again, you know, I look back on my life and while I would never want to have to relive it, I know that everything I went through, all of the addiction that I went through, all of the sickness and the bondage and the, the brokenness, I now know that the Lord wants to, wanted to use all of that. Not that he caused it, but it says in Romans 8.28, and you guys probably could quote this back to me, but he does cause all things, he forces all things to work together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purposes. And so I know, <laughs> my husband, I don't know if, if, if you remember, some of you m remember my husband, but he used to stand up here and say, you know, God takes the biggest loser and puts him up on the stage to offer hope to other losers. Nudge the person next to you, go, she's talking to you. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I mean, really, I've had, I've had young people say to me, man, you know, I wish that... I wish that I, you know, I could have gotten, you know, gotten to the point where you're at. And I'm like, no, you don't want to have to go through everything that I went through. Learn it the easy way. Learn it by, you know, there's two types of people. There's a type of people, they run into the wall and they break their nose and they go, ow, that hurt. And I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. Then there's another kind of person. They watch someone run into the wall and break their nose and go, wow, that was dumb. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Be the second kind for the young people. That's a free one. But I know that God, God delivered me for a purpose. And one of the purposes that he delivered me for is so that I can offer hope to other people who are hopeless. Because God is a God of hope. And he, he has delivered me from so much bondage, from addiction, from eating disorder, from compulsive lying, you know, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but it's not about me. It's about the Lord. Whatever your Egypt is, whatever that place where you just can't seem to move out, he sees you and he wants to free you. The Lord frees. He's about that. That's why he came to earth, to set us free. 
Romans 6.20 says, when you were slaves of sin, incidentally, there are only two things you can be slaves to, either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. There's nothing else in between. There's no gray. You are a slave, either to sin or to righteousness. So you either have a taskmaster who wants to kill you and destroy you and suck your will to live, or you have a, a loving God who wants to deliver you and set you free and show you the way to life. It says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And you know, looking back on, on my life and all the things that I put my hope in, none of them satisfied. None of them. None of them were fulfilling. It says in, in verse 22, but now that you've been set free from sin, you have been set free from sin. So don't believe that lie that says, well, I just have to do this. It's just who I am. That's not true. It says you've been set free from sin and you have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. Sanctification just means to be set apart. It means to be used for the purpose for which you were created. Okay, I'm sanctifying this, this little podium here when I use it for the purpose for which it was created. If I used it to try to hammer a nail in, that would be dumb and that would not be sanctifying it. Sanctify means to use for the purpose for which you were created, to be set apart, to be used for a purpose. And we were all created for purpose. So again, if there's a lie in your brain that says that your, your life is futile, you have no purpose, that is from the pit of hell. That is from the enemy of your souls. Because he has a purpose for your life. He wants to use your life to glorify himself, which simply means to reveal who he is, to reflect who he is, it says, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. All sin leads to death. Sorry about that. It all leads to death. All sin. Either death to you or death to other people. All of these sins, all of these bondages that we talked about, they all lead to some form of death. Not physical death necessarily, but a death, a death of relationship, a death of joy, a death of peace, a death of hope. All sin leads to death. And ultimately, if we never receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers on the cross, it will ultimately lead to spiritual death. I, re I have been really studying this whole concept of freedom and deliverance. And I came across this, these six steps to freedom, talking about um, how to be set free. And now I, I do want to say, sometimes you need help. You need intervention. Sometimes you may need professional, professional it's easy for me to say, professional therapy or counseling I do not recommend, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you go to a non-Christian counselor. I think, I think the word of God, it says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness, but sometimes we need help. 
We need an outside voice to come in, right? And there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with admitting, saying, you know what, I I need some help. Nothing wrong with that. If you're sick or if you have something wrong with you physically, you go to a medical doctor. So please do not buy into that stigma that says, well, if if I go to professional counseling, there's something wrong with me. Okay? Okay, so awareness is the number one point, the number one step. You have to be aware. That's why I'm asking, what is your Egypt? You want to be aware. What is the thing that's holding me back? What is the thing that's robbing my joy that is preventing me from having peace with God? What is the the Egypt that I'm bound to, that I'm stuck in? The second thing is discovery. So once you're aware of what that thing is, then to start to go back. Now, where did this come from? How does this manifest itself in my life? You know, to kind of discover what is happening here. What is this thing about? The third thing is to take ownership of it. So, so the awareness, to be aware of the need to be set free, to discover it, kind of uncover and unwrap some of the things. This can happen through prayer. This can happen through conversation with either your spouse or a good friend or a therapist or your community group leader or a trusted pastor. Or, you know, you can kind of uncover some of these things. But the third thing is to take ownership. And I just want to say this. You will never blame your way to freedom. You know, you may have been abused as a child or you may even be in an abusive relationship now. But until you take ownership of your own issues and your own pain and your own triggers and your own manifestations, you will never get set free. You cannot continue to blame other people. And if you were abused, I am so sorry about that. Because I know the devastation that that can bring. But on the other hand something horrible happens to you and you can continue to perpetuate the cycle or you can be the one to stop it. You can be the one to say, you know what? I am going to turn this around and use this for the glory of God because all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The thing we have to do is take ownership. We need to learn how to confess, learn how to admit that we're wrong. You know, this was a big struggle for me. I came, I came from a family where we're Germans. <laughs> it was very hard for us to admit that we were wrong. And you know what? It created so much chaos and pain and suffering in my life, particularly in my marriage and with my children. And I have since repented to my children. But I was hard to get along with because I would never admit I was wrong. And if I ever did, there was always a but attached. Well, yeah, I did say that, but you did provoke me. You know, or I was one of those, trying to blame my way out of my own culpability. Don't be that person. There's no freedom in that, I promise you. Be a person that easily and readily admits when you're wrong. So quiet in here. (laughs) Do you struggle with that? It's hard, isn't it? Let me just say this, though. It gets easier. 
the more you do it, what have you got to lose? I used to tell my kids, it's better to over-apologize than under-apologize. It's better to, you know, so somebody accuses you of something and, and you know, they, they claim that you said something or thought something or did something, rather than getting defensive, just go, you know what? I'm so sorry about that. You know, it's, it's so much more freeing than trying to defend yourself. Well, I, the reason I did that was because you, and you know, it's like, you cannot walk in freedom if you're constantly defending yourself or blaming other people. Everybody's like, would she just move on? Okay, then the next, this, the next step, number four, is forgiveness. I have literally never, ever, ever, ever seen somebody who is totally free in Christ, totally living in the light, who is bound by unforgiveness. You know what's interesting to me? Every time I type the word unforgiveness on my computer, it does a spell check on it. That's like not even a word. Trust me, I know that's a word because <laughs> I've lived there. Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, holding things against other people. You will never, ever, ever walk in freedom as long as you are holding things against other people. Because you're just going to be dragging them with you. You have all these dead things. Sorry, I'm going out of the lake. You have all these things. You're just dragging those people with you. Be free. Forgive in the same way you've been forgiven. (laughs) You know, we hear this and we we read that when Jesus says, you know, that in the same manner in which you've been forgiven, you, you know, you should forgive in that same way. For in the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. We read that, and do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? So then let go of other people. Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love always expects the best in people. You know, you've seen the memes, the sappy memes. You know, be nice to people because you don't know what they're going through. It's really true. You have no idea what, you're go- what people are going through. So just give them the benefit of the doubt. Forgive easily. Be a person who easily forgives. And if, you, and if you sense it, if it's coming up in your head, just deal with it right then. Say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so. We're going we're gonna to get into this a little more um, as we go through this series. We're going to talk about this. Um, but I just want to just encourage you, if, if the Lord's showing you that you're bitter against someone or you have resentment or slight irritation, just forgive. Let them, let them off the hook. And this doesn't mean they're off the hook permanently because now they're on God's hook and now God, is, God can deal with them. Okay, number five, acceptance. You just accept this is the way it is. You accept, these are the things that happened to me in my past. This is who I am right now, and these are my tendencies. So, in other words, what you do is you repent, which means to change your mind about your past, about your present, and about the future. This is, this is what true repentance is, is you say, I have in the past, ha- I have done this. I am still prone to doing this, whatever that thing is, whatever that bondage is. I am still, I still have that tendency, and then 
to repent even for the future. Say, Lord, protect me from my tendency to do that in the future. You know, let God just sweep over all of it so that you can walk in that freedom. And then, and then step number six is to walk as though you were set free. Not to go back. You know, Jesus has already posted your bail. So don't stay in the cell anymore. He already paid for it. Jesus has already written the check. Just go cash it. You guys remember checks? Remember those things? Jesus already wrote that check. You have a choice. You can cash it or you can just stuff it in your pocket and not believe that you have it. Jesus cashed it. This, you know, there's, a, there's a, a concept in the Bible about jubilee. This is a year when all debts were forgiven. You know, slaves were set free. This is a year of the jubilee, y'all. This is our year of jubilee. This is a year of the Lord's favor. This is a year of celebrating, letting go, being set free, being delivered, moving into the purpose for which we were created. This is what this year is about, okay? So how many times have you you've been like looking everywhere in your house? You're like, where is my cell phone? Ugh! Where is it? Anybody? Jesus has already given you freedom. He's saying, walk in it now. Walk in it. And I'm not trying to simplify this because I'll also tell you one thing, one little secret. It doesn't always happen overnight. (laughs) You know, there were things that I was in bondage to for literally years, and it wasn't because I wasn't repenting, confessing, fasting, praying, hoping, trusting. I was asking the Lord to set me free for years. Sorry, that's probably not good news, but there's something about persevering. There's something about continuing to believe even when you see no evidence of it. Because all of those things that the Lord has set me free from, he eventually set me free from them. So it does happen, but we get impatient. And we're we're like, well, if he hasn't set me free yet, I guess he never is. No, there is such a thing as persevering. Perseverance of the saints. So, The Lord sees, the Lord frees, and now here's the last one. The Lord decrees. The Lord has given you a mandate. When he sets us free, it says in Galatians 5, for freedom Christ has set us free. Can you say that out loud? For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't walk around like you're still bound. Don't walk, I offended them. Sorry, too close to home. (laughs) They're set free. They're like, we don't need this message. (laughs) Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh, but rather, what does it say? Through love... Serve one another. Okay, I'm going to get on my little soapbox. Boop. Soapbox. Serving soapbox. If you're not serving other people, you are not going to be set free. 
If you're living for yourself only and you're not loving others by washing their feet and serving and participating, I mean, if you're the one that comes to the potluck and you never bring anything and you never clean up, you're never going to be set free. Seriously, you're a mooch. (laughs) Still praying for that filter. (laughs) Jesus, give me that grace filter. But it's true. I've never seen anybody who's totally free in Christ who is self-serving, who never serves other people. They can say they are. They're the ones that go up onto the mountaintop and say, I have church on the mountain with just me and the Lord. Well, you know what? Jesus has given us really clear mandates about the body of Christ and about serving others. And how else is your character ever going to be tested unless you have to actually lay down your life for another person? Actually serve another person. Actually give to another person. So much so that it might even actually hurt. It might actually be a sacrifice. How else is your character going to develop if you never do these things? Do you know there are 52 one another's in the New Testament? Love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, overlook one another's fault. There's a lot of one another's. You don't get that up on that mountaintop with just you and your Bible. Jesus wants you to love his bride. He wants you to love the people he loves. And if you're not involved in any way and you're not serving, I I am not trying to say this to bring condemnation. I'm just telling you the reality of it is you won't be set free. You won't walk in the fullness and the abundant life that Jesus has for you. There are so many areas where you can get involved and you can serve. And we're actually starting base camp and you you can go to base camp and figure out where you fit in or whatever. You can talk to someone at the connect desk. I can put you to work. I, can, I have lots of ideas. <laughs> but there's a joy in giving yourself over for other people. There is a delight in laying down your life for others. Amen? So it's saying here, just because you're free, don't use that as an opportunity for your flesh, but do it to serve one another. Here's another one another. And I just want to say this too. We're going to take communion together because this is really what it all comes down to. Thank you, my dear. This all comes down to Jesus. It all comes down to the blood of Jesus. You know, I always say, it's not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of surrendering more. It's a matter of receiving more of what Jesus has offered you. He went to the cross to pay the price, not only just to pay the price for your sins, but to set you free. And he has called you according to his purposes. And if you don't know Jesus and you're not in a right relationship with Jesus you will not be set free. And I'm not saying this to be mean or or condemning. I'm just stating the fact. True freedom comes from receiving the sacrifice that Jesus Christ offered when he went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. When his body was broken so that we don't have to be broken anymore. So that we can be free. So that we can live in peace so that we can have hope, that we can truly love other people and truly forgive them. Can we just go before the Lord together? And and like I said, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you have never surrendered to Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity today. 
to be born again of his spirit, to be forgiven, to, to have your sins completely wiped away, completely set free. And if you're a person and you know right now, you know that the, the Bible says that whoever knows what is right and yet does it not, to him it is sin. That's really the definition of sin is if, if something is not right and you know it and you're doing it. If you're not in that right relationship with Jesus, I just want to promise you that today he wants to he wants to forgive you. He wants to pour out his forgiveness on you. That he wants to, to draw you in and accept you right where you are even in your weakness, even in your imperfection, even in the, in the areas where you're not glorifying him. He wants you to know he is not about condemning you. It says he didn't come to condemn, but to save. Amen. So let's go before the Lord. Let's just pray. Jesus, we don't understand your grace. Lord, it, it is beyond us. It's so much greater than we could even imagine. Lord, we just always feel like we need to do something. We have to do things to make it right with you, Lord. Thank you that you're all about the fact that you did it already. You paid the price already. And you invite us to come. Lord, you invite us to live in freedom. Lord, you invite us to live as though we have been forgiven because we have. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, that you took all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future, upon yourself, that you paid the penalty. You lived a perfect and sinless life, and you paid the price so that we could live as free 